everybody, and welcome to the Battlefield Theologian Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Jago, and today we have a special episode. Why? Good question. I have a guest joining us today, and our guest is Virgil Walker. Now, you may know who he is. He's a part of the G3 Network. Um, He's very well known also in his podcast called the Just Thinking Podcast that he does with Daryl Harrison. Uh, If you haven't checked that out, I'll have that in the show notes today. But in this podcast, uh, Virgil and I are discussing, and the podcast is, where have all the expositional preachers gone? The cancer-killing churches. And this is a near and dear to my heart kind of topic because uh, as a pastor myself, this is something that uh, I have gone through the process uh, in my seminary training and everything else, understanding how is it that you can best communicate God's word to the church, to the local church. And there's a lot of different types and styles and modes of preaching, uh, but one that we see historically uh, inconsistently being done in practice and one that the apostles did too in the book of Acts is very clear is expositional preaching. Uh, So in this, Virgil and I are discussing expositional preaching, some of the issues that the modern church is facing, some solutions, and overall, it's just a phenomenal podcast. So I hope that you guys enjoy it. Now, with this being said, if you haven't seen already, I started a YouTube channel, and in this YouTube channel, there is uh, a bunch of different teaching classes that I'm doing. They're very micro classes. I've got a whole series on hermeneutics, a very basic approach to studying scripture. I've got some coming out on the reliability of the New Testament, and I'm also just now launching some with church history. If you want to find my YouTube channel, just go to youtube.com at Ethan Jago. Um, You will definitely want to check that out, subscribe and everything else. But I hope you guys enjoy the podcast today, and let's get started. All right, here we are in our Battlefield Theologian Podcast. I have my guest here, Virgil Walker, and today we're going to be talking, uh, I I titled this podcast, Where Have All the Expositional Preachers Gone? And it's the cancer-killing churches. And so, Virgil, thank you for coming, brother. Man, I'm happy to do it. Honored to be here. Looking forward to our conversation. So, uh, Virgil, give, uh, if you don't mind, just give our listeners a quick, uh, brief bio of you. I mean, a lot of us already know you and uh, yeah. just thinking in G3 and everything. But for those uh, who may just be jumping in, would you just mind giving us a quick bio? Yeah, yeah. I'm Virgil Walker, uh, the husband of Tamika Walker, the, the dad to Princess, Princeton, and Price. And so those are my three kiddos, adult children. Um, two of them are, are back in Omaha, Nebraska, where I'm from. One of them joined us here as, as we moved from Omaha to Douglasville, Georgia, where I serve as the Executive Director of Operations for G3 Ministries. G3 uh, stands for Gospel, Grace, and Glory. Uh, it is the ministry that's kind of birthed out of Praise Mill Baptist Church. Uh, president and founder, founder and president, Josh Bice. Uh, G3 had been a conference-based ministry uh, doing annual conferences. Uh, now we do a biennial conference every other year, a biennial national conference. This year, we anticipate about 8,500 people from all over the country and literally around the world uh, that will be joining us here in Atlanta on September 21st through the 23rd uh, to just experience expository preaching, which I know we're going to be talking about, um, by by some of the world's greatest uh, preachers, uh, Stephen Lawson, Paul Washer, Vody Bauckham. Uh, Josh Bice. Uh, we'll have a number of speakers from all over the country that will be joining us. Uh, this is one of the largest, uh, uh, you know, reformed, um, uh, you know, conferences that that's out there. Uh, we we anticipate some thirty speakers uh, from all over the place that will be joining us, and so 
Um, it's it's going to be a fantastic time, Ethan. I know you're going to you're planning on coming to join us for that. Um, so that that's my side of the house. I take care of our biennial conferences, our regional conferences that we have in the off year. Sometimes we have uh, Reformation trips uh, around the world. I provide oversight for those. We also do um, worship workshops. We do expository preaching workshops uh, as well. So that's my area of oversight. Uh, I mentioned that G3 was a conference-based ministry, but we also do um, we also provide content for local churches, curricula, uh, opportunities for them to to uh, get books from us from G3 Press. Uh, we have an app where we download a lot of free stuff for people to use and utilize. Uh, trying to equip local churches, our whole goal in that process uh, is, is to properly equip uh, churches uh, in, in every way that we can, uh, hoping to educate, encourage, and equip them in sound biblical doctrine. So that's kind of what we do, uh, who we are. Um, I've been here at G3 now for about two and a half years. Um, loving what I do. You mentioned uh, that that uh, G three is a part of uh, what people know me for. They also know me as uh, as the uh, kind of co laborer on the Just Thinking podcast uh, as well. And so enjoy that with Daryl Harrison. That's been a five year project uh, that we've engaged in and and have seen more than six six million downloads of that podcast. One of the top ten podcasts, Christian podcasts, particularly in the country. Um, I, I also have just recently uh, come on board with uh, with Jason Whitlock. Uh, he's a kind of sports broadcaster, more more secular media, uh, but he has a strong desire to bring biblical worldview mm. into his commentary. Uh, he not only does sports, but does kind of world events and the like. Uh, I, I serve as a commentator as well uh, with him on the Blaze, and so that's that's all of my uh, my uh, area. That's all of the things that that I do and I'm involved. So you're not in. you're not really busy at all. That's what I'm hearing. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I need a few more things to yeah. do, man. A few more things to get busy with. I'm so, so excited for the G3 conference and the, the title for this year's conference from what I'm tracking is the sovereignty of God. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're, we're excited. The doctrine of the sovereignty of God, it's incredibly uh, important. Uh, one of the things that we, as we began to look at the landscape of culture and church, um, we, we kind of saw that two things are, are really under attack. One is God's sovereignty. Yeah. Uh, we see this attack happening as it relates to um, the questions that culture is bringing to bear about things that that God has already spoken mm-hmm. on. Uh, for example, the fact that uh, that He's created man and woman, right? And and now we're in a time and a day in our culture where where we want to question the 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 idea of man and woman. We want to say, well, there's there's other options, right? Uh, and, you know, as it pertains to marriage, uh, we, we see that culture wants to challenge that and bring other options into play. And so uh, God has spoken, his word is clear, and he is sovereign over all. And so uh, the, the culture aims to attack God's sovereignty at every turn. Uh, so we thought it important to gather believers together and yeah. equip them so that they can engage culture uh, and stand solidly uh, on, on the word of God. Biblically speaking, I, I mentioned two things. Uh, one in culture, God's sovereignty. The other is in the church. And the real challenges that we're running into within the church uh, is is related to the sufficiency yes. of scripture. Um, we're seeing more and more times and that that yes, people believe in biblical inerrancy, people people will, will, will give a give a hat tip to that idea. but yet the the question really is is not an inerrant word. Uh, the question is, mm-hmm. is it sufficient to address the issues of life and culture? Uh, scripture absolutely affirms that it is. Uh, we know that it is because it is indeed God's word, but uh, we want to we want to establish those things. So it's with this particular conference uh, that we wanted believers from all over the country and different parts of the world to gather to be fully equipped uh, so that they can they can go and, and really defend the faith and really stand on the sovereignty of God. 
by using his sufficient word. Yeah, and that's a great segue into the discussion we're talking about today is uh, expository preaching. But really, you know, with with that title that I have there, it's and you summarize it perfectly is it's the sufficiency of scripture, the way in which you see preachers today behind the pulpits. They preach as if scripture is not sufficient. And there's a quote that James Montgomery Boyce has, and I love it. As he says, it's not that we deny the sufficiency of scripture in theory, it's that we deny it in practice. Uh, and that's really what I yes. see happening is when a preacher comes up to what should be unleashing God's truth through the word, it ends up becoming something else. So with that said, um, we're talking about expository preaching. I know guys like you and me, we know what it is, but what is expository or expositional preaching uh, and why is this important? And why is there other methods of preaching? And obviously that there are, uh, you know, so with expository preaching, uh, Virgil, what's, what's a good way for us to summarize uh, expository preaching? Yeah, if you're thinking about expository preaching, I think, think of the first portion uh, of, of the word expose, right? To, to, to uncover, uh, to unpack, uh, to make plain, to provide clarity. Uh, you, what you're doing is you're taking a text of scripture, a pericope, and you're, you're identifying a, a section of scripture, uh, maybe two or three verses of scripture. And you're, and that's what I mean by, by what I say, a pericope. You're, you're unpacking that particular section. Uh, and you're doing so with a, with a, with a particular hermeneutical method. Uh, a hermeneutics, big, big fancy word just to say the, 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 the art and science of, of uh, biblical interpretation. Right. So so you're you're expositing, you're explaining, you're unpacking, you're making plain what scripture says uh, using a particular hermeneutical method. And so, uh, you know, for, for some that they, uh, they, they may look at, uh, especially if you're doing a Bible study, uh, one of the methods that I loved uh, utilizing to teach with was called the coma method. Uh, this is something that's a real basic kind of plain. So if you, you don't have to have a, a theological education or a, or a seminary degree. Uh, to use this methodology, coma stands for context, observation, meaning, and application. Very, very simple. Context, observation, meaning, and application. Uh, and in order to do, utilize, to, to uh, execute that, you, you need some tools. You're going to need a, a good commentary. You're going to need maybe a Bible dictionary. You're going to need just some tools to unpack all of the truths of Scripture. But, but the whole goal and focus of the expositional preaching model is for you to expose what is in the text of scripture to the degree that the hearer, the listener, uh, uncovers the truth of God's word uh, in, in, a, in a clear way, in a concise way, in a contextual way. And by contextual, I don't mean context with culture. I mean, within the context of scripture, uh, you're understanding what's being said there uh, and are able then to make proper biblical applications to your own life. This is, this is the manner in which uh, you know, uh, gospel formation takes place. This is the manner in which uh, discipleship takes place. As we hear the word of God, we hear the word of God explained, uh, the, 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 the nature and power of God's word, we're then exposed to. Uh, the script, uh, scripture is clear that, 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 that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to cut to joint and marrow, right? Bone and marrow. And so if we understand that, know that in our hearing, that word explained and expressed, our hearts based upon the work of the Holy Spirit are going to, are going to be, are going to be, you know, challenged, changed, transformed. Uh, and, and as a result, we're going to live lives very differently. That's the power of, of proper expositional preaching is that it changes and transforms hearts uh, because it is God's word. His word does not return void, 
uh, it, 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 it accomplishes that which it's set out to do. And, and in the shaping of the human heart, there's no other, there, there's no other, uh, uh, other tool available for us. Uh, for the transformation of the human heart other than other than the word See, of God. See, I think the way. powerful thing about expositional preaching too is that you you're not using the eloquence of man's words and terminology to bring the truth of God's word to bear. What you're using is God's Man, word alone to bring to transform the hearts and minds and what I think happens today uh in several in, across uh, the evangelical landscape of churches is that the pastor and this is where you and me were talking about the sufficiency of scriptures, the pastor whether he means to or not uh deems that the word of God is unpalatable for the congregation and must therefore be summarized. And you see this a lot where, in my opinion, I call it the pulpit test. The further the pastor gets away from the pulpit, the more likely they are to kind of take liberties at the word of God is they'll summarize a Bible story, they'll summarize a passage, uh, or they'll, they'll change in words. And the issue with this is that when you're limiting, or excuse me, when you're not letting the the left and right parameters, the policemen of preaching, be the word of God and staying within that text, it you can really play fast and loose with the text, and you can play fast and loose with what the message is. And I, I think the issue is that pastors think, well, I don't think my people have an appetite for this. I don't think my people can handle this, or it might be too offensive. And what I see happening and a difference between expositional preaching and other forms of preaching is that expositional preachers will preach as Paul is saying in Ephesians 20, the whole counsel of God. Uh, and this is why I think the, if you, if those listening aren't familiar with Lectio Continua is a type of expositional preaching is an ongoing form of preaching where you end right. and then you continue on picking right. up uh, where it continues from past week is otherwise what happens is you kind of just, you know, and you hear this in little colloquial sayings of, I've got a message. I just need a text for this message, or I've got a topic, uh, you know, right. or that'll preach. And so there that kind of divvies, or I guess you could say kind of moves from expositional into what we would call like topical preaching, uh, where you use a topic. And, right. you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with a topic from time to time, but I don't know about you, Virgil, but like my algorithm is so messed up or because Instagram and Facebook knows I'm a pastor the stuff that in the applications and the companies out there, that's like having a difficult time figuring out what to preach through subscribe to this and we'll help come up with your sermons or we'll help come up with your topical series. I'm just thinking, man, that's gotta be exhausting to like have to constantly topical hunt to be like, okay, this week we're talking about identity next month. We're talking about, I don't know, parenting. You know what I mean? Instead of, Letting the text as you go through the text and then as the issues come up within the text, then you can address those specific topics, but you're not going to be handpicking these topics. You're letting the word of God kind of dictate and direct when you get to those topics. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I I completely agree with you. And it really goes back to what we were talking about earlier as to as to whether or not the, the, the pastor really believes scripture to be sufficient uh, to speak to every area, every facet of life. For example, here at our church uh, at Praise Mill, we've been going through, uh, on Sunday mornings, we've, we've been going through the book of Luke um, and, and verse by verse. Uh, I anticipate us being in the book of Luke for about the next two, two and a half, three years. Uh, prior to my arrival, they had finished uh, the book of Romans uh, and they went through verse by verse. And I, I don't know, four or five years that they spent in the book of Romans. And so with that, some, some one may be listening and who may get the idea or the impression of man, they never, they never take a break or may, maybe there's something pressing in culture 
that needs to be addressed. And so uh, from time to time, they'll, they'll, they may take a Sunday night and, and speak to a particular subject or topic. But if they do address a topic, it's done so expositionally. So they, 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 may, they may look at uh, you know, an issue related to culture, maybe uh, the issue of social justice, um, and, and, and wonder, how does, how does social justice, for example, compare mm. to biblical justice? Uh, wh- what's the difference between what culture is saying currently about social justice that's different from biblical justice? And so you could take a, you know, a, a three, week, three weeks or so or four weeks and say, okay, we're going to unpack those differences, but we're going to do so from an expository preaching standpoint, right? We're going to look at a specific text, text that perhaps talks about uh, the justice of God, the righteousness of God, the holiness of God, uh, so that you can have a, a biblical framework for justice. Uh, and, and then you can compare that to what culture is saying is justice. Really what, what culture is after are the are are their preferential outcomes, and and for the most part, those outcomes are are partiality, are, are sinful partiality. Well, this outcome needs to be this way for this person because their skin color is black. Well, when you compare that to the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, God, God shows no partiality as it pertains to the melanin in someone's skin. Now you have a framework for understanding, biblically speaking, how those two things don't jive. God is holy. God is righteous. God is just, God is love, but, he, but, but he's also justice. And so when we understand that from an expositional position, having had the full measure of the text of scripture bearing weight on a subject, uh, that's helpful. Uh, what's not helpful and, and what you, what you kind of spoke to is just the kind of candy corn, popcorn kind of approaches to, hey, I, I, I like this little yeah. saying, I think it'll quote unquote preach. And so that you jump in the in the pulpit looking for a bunch of scriptures mm. to validate an idea that you have. Yeah. Now, why do you think uh, more pastors don't? You know, and what's interesting is I've talked to some guys who say that they are expositional preachers, and I listened to them. I said, "No, you're actually not." And I'm not trying to judge you with this. I'm just saying that that's not expositional. But why do you think that more guys, uh, more pastors, aren't? uh, expositing. Uh, what do you, I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I think, I think part of it, uh, has to do with the, with, with what we've witnessed probably over the last 20 years, maybe 15 years of, of the, the, the ideas around church yeah. growth movements, right? Uh, you, you, you've had, you've had the big, the big church growth movement, uh, you know, kind of looking at how do, how do we grow a church? And well, if you can, if you can, over the course of a summertime, <clears throat> when the, uh, when the when attendance is low, do a a, a back to the movies uh, kind of uh, you know kind of preaching series, and then you take the top ten movies in the culture, and you know have your people do kind of graphic arts where like people are you know coming to the movie theater, free popcorn, like they're gonna come to church, and so you know yeah, free popcorn for everybody who comes, and you know and and, and a free soda pop on the way out, you know that that kind of thing, and and maybe maybe a, maybe a take take a ticket, they'll have a raffle. You know, so we, we, we've done that so often in an effort to grow, grow the church. Now, there's a whole other conversation that can be had about proper forms and yeah. modes of evangelism, but that, that's, that's another conversation for a different time. But, uh, but you, you, you see those kinds of approaches uh, and, and people who, who've, who've had success uh, with those kinds of models. Uh, and, and so as a result, rather than looking at Scripture and saying, this is not my church, this is not your church, this is Christ's church, and we need to operate from a standpoint of, of, of how he dictates according to his word. And so rather than doing that, we, we, we think, you know what, we, we've got a better approach. 
and, and our approach is going to be topical. It's going to be 25 minute Ted talks, uh, you know, glorified <laughs> Ted talks. Uh, we're going to get, we're going to get people in, get people out and, and, uh, you know, and, and make it all work. And so there's been an appeal to that and, and more and more, I, you mentioned early, one of the things you said, you said earlier, Ethan, you, you said, uh, you know, that people may not have a particular yeah. appetite for something. The problem is this, whatever, whatever you draw people with, you yeah. will have to keep them with. So if you drew them with popcorn, candy, uh, uh, you know, sermons, sermonettes, right. Uh, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to make that the, the, that popcorn candy taste better next time and even better next time yeah. and even better next time. Whereas if 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 you feed them with the meat and potatoes of the Word of God uh, in, in in a way that that's sound that's expositional, uh, and 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 you create in them an appetite and a taste for that, I can promise you, if they go to the candy corn spot and get some candy corn preaching. It's not going to taste the same. They're going to be they're going to be disappointed. They're going to want the meat and potatoes. Yeah, of the world. what I've what I've noticed too within my own ministry that God's blessed me with with young adults ministry and then now being a lead pastor here at Panama City Beach is that when you expose true believers to the true and unadulterated Word of God, there's no attraction that you know from a man centered kind of worldview kind of like I, I'm using the world's methods to entertain, but I. And this gets into the, like the philosophy of the church and everything else, but I'm preaching to believers only. Uh, non-believers can hear this, and non-believers, Lord willing, will be convicted by the Spirit, regenerated, and lead to saving faith. But truly, the, the, the content of the message that I preach is for the spiritual growth and development of Christians to make them fully mature believers. And I always like to think back on Hebrews, Absolutely. where the writer of Hebrews is saying, you guys should be teachers by now. You should be eating meat, but instead you're still consuming right. baby food is when you show right. true believers what right looks like, you know, they, they don't right. want to go back. When you've had that steak, that ribeye, you're not going to go back, you know, to mac and cheese at Taco Bell or wherever else. You know, like once you've tasted that, right. uh, that is what is appealing to right. the believer. And that's what the pastor needs to be appealing towards is, you know, it, it's all about what I believe in. You, you hit on this too with the church growth movement. They're all about quantity, but not about the quality. They're all about the breadth of the ministry, but not about the depth of the ministry is what is the priority right. of right. the church? What is the priority of the pastor? Because as Jose is talking, you know, as well as like prophet, like people. So the people will never rise higher than that of the pastor. Mm -hmm. So if the pastor uh, views mm -hmm. scripture or is intimidated is what I think a lot of what this comes down to Virgil is that a lot of the pastors yeah. are scared to yeah. interact with the text, because if I go expositional, What's going to happen when I hit that one section of the text that's going to be really difficult to navigate through? Am I going to just skip over that and be like, guys, you know, we'll talk about this another time? Or am I going to take the time to right. really exegete that passage to bring the truth of Scripture to bear on my people? And when the pastor is demonstrating that, you're modeling what the people, yeah. you know, that you're shepherding is going to follow. So if the pastor's compromising and yeah. maybe not compromising on doctrinal truths, but compromising on the sufficiency and authority of Scripture and yeah. is not boldly standing and preaching and proclaiming what the word of God says. And is like, eh, I'm going to back off a little bit. Or what, you know, what I hear a lot of today yeah. too, is like this caveat. And I can't stand this caveat. I was like, this may step on some toes, but God says sinners are going to go to hell. Right. Step on some toes, bro. Like right. that's what the script scripture says. Like you, you don't need to like downplay mm -hmm. this, you know, like, and what I think's happened right. is right. pastors have, and across the evangelical landscape, the bar of the gospel for salvation and spiritual growth and sanctification 
the scriptures have this high standard, yeah. right? And what's happened, as I see, is we've lowered yes. this down. So it's not even like a stumbling block anymore. It's barely a tripping hazard. Like you, you can just barely like skip and you're in the kingdom. Uh, or, you know, really what you don't need is, and this is what I hate, God loves you so much. He just loves you enough to not leave you where you're at. And so it's, it's just a, a gentle nudge into spiritual growth. And it's not this right. death to self, taking right. up your cross daily and following after Christ. And I think it really starts from the pulpit, works its way down, but then it's also too, it's the, the confidence of the pastor in the handling of the text. Uh, I really think is where it comes down to. Are they mm -hmm. confident in God's word? Do they have the tools uh, to, to be able to accurately uh, expo expose God's word and the truth to bear, which is why I think your guys' workshops are phenomenal for, for people to get involved in those yeah. things. Because I know a lot of pastors that I've talked to as well, they're just now getting turned on to expositional preaching. Some of these guys have been in the pulpit for right. 10, 15 years. I'm like, man, I, I just wasn't trained. And it's like, it's a shame, but workshops like that, I think are beneficial to aiding mm -hmm. and equipping the pastors, you know? Yeah, abs abs absolutely. I, 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 I completely agree with every, everything you, you laid out there. Uh, I, I would say this, one of the things that, that has contributed to, um, churches, uh, particularly those who name the name of Christ, who call themselves Christians, um, capitulating yes. on so many key issues is absolutely a direct result of weak yeah. preaching. Uh, it is it is absolutely a direct result of, of pastors who have not taken the time to dive more deeply into the text, who've given their, you know, the folks that, that, that attend the church, who've given church members, you know, hey, five new ways to to, to make money or or six new ways to to get the next job promotion or three different ways to to uh, to, to have have a have a better uh, you know life with your wife yeah. I mean and, and again there, there's time and place for those kinds of ideas <clears throat> but because of the fact that we've not been you know steeped in the in the deeper doctrines of scripture because of it you know having had a pastor walk through the text uh, expositionally uh, we're we're unable to defend our faith we're unable to give an answer to anyone mm -hmm. who asks us for the hope that we have in Christ and so uh, you're seeing the church capitulate on on issues of wokeism uh, not being able to discern uh, the difference between the imago day uh, and someone created in the image of God uh, and and someone who has value or worth based upon the level of melanin yeah. in their skin right uh, we've seen cap capitulation on issues related to, to, to marriage. Um, you know, it, it, it's all good until maybe in their own family, there's someone who says, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm attracted to, to the same sex person. And then they want, rather than addressing that and saying, you know what, I love you, uh, but what you're talking about is sinful. Uh, I, I, you know, my love for you won't change. That part is unconditional as, a, as an image bearer of God. Uh, but I don't, I don't validate this, this lifestyle that, that you're living because it, it stands against yeah. scripture. We've been unable to do that because once someone in our family says that they are X, Y, or Z, then our, our thought is, well, well, we need to be loving. And the only thing we've been taught at, at church is that God is love. And so the, the, then the Christian is, is, is pressed to, to figure out what loving means. And then the world will tell you what loving is. Loving is validating every sinful, uh, uh, you know, every, every, every sinful attitude, every sinful issue, every sinful proclivity that I want to engage in. Um, we, 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 we're weak in those areas. And again, I think uh, it's been said that, that, that hard preaching creates soft hearts, uh, but, but soft preaching actually creates hard hearts. Yeah. And so we've got to be well, mindful and, you of know, that. You bring up a solid point here is, you know, 
the the stuff that I I constantly am seeing that is happening within local churches that is broadcasted online and just so if anyone's thinking that in my free time I just look up other preaching you're wrong uh, I've got better things to do with my time but the way you know how the algorithms are it, it curates content towards you mm-hmm. and I see these these pastors or I see these uh, little snippets and the continual thing I'm hearing is as if Jesus of the New Testament, which is what Marcion brought up with his heresy, is that the Jesus rescues mankind from the vindictive bully God of the Old Testament, as if Jesus is opposing God, right. as if God has somehow gone through some form of change, as if he's not immutable, because all you're hearing is Jesus's right. love, love, and it's riddled in the worship songs. It's riddled in everything else. You know, the, the song that drives me nuts, Virgil, and I, I think I'm going to make a good friend with you here with this one is, I speak Jesus. All I need is just speak Jesus. I speak Jesus over heal. What does that mean? Right. What what, do you, what are you saying? You speak Jesus and Jesus is love. I just I just want to love Jesus. And we've got these the anthropomorphic language that has just humanized the King of the Universe into an, a palatable, right. easy to understand formula. Is that Jesus is just opening his arms and just wants to love you. And I heard one this morning. Uh, I, I buddy sent it to me, and I showed it to my wife. Is that what brings us to Jesus isn't religion. What brings us to Jesus is our problems. And the bigger the problems, the more uh, forgiveness we get from Jesus. And Jesus just needs your problems. He doesn't need perfection. What? Like, it, it's just a continual capitulation to meet that of the cultural vendetta that is influencing and plaguing the church like a cancer. And what we have is not, in my opinion, right. is not churches, but what we have is a bunch of pagan places of worship that have the title and name that of Christianity, but truly it's just a social club. There's no spiritual depth there. There's no uh, Bible being preached. There's maybe a verse, and then the, right. it's just using that as a springboard platform to discuss what they want. And then like what you said, all of this is, it's, right. it's the woke influence on pastors, churches, and congregation members. And the only way to purge this out, right? It's like that refining gold to get the impurities out of that. You've got to fire it. You've got to burn it. And the word of God is that fire. Like right. Hebrews 4.12 says, like you said earlier, it is a sharp two-edged sword that can split between bone and yes. marrow. And when a pastor just takes the yes. authority of scripture and just says, this is what the word of God says. This is what this means. Stop doing what you're doing. A lot of people, I believe, when you speak objectively true about scripture, they're not used to that. Why? Because what they're used to hearing is like, hey, guys, so this is what I'm pretty sure this means. Uh, We don't really know for sure, but this is probably what this means. And so I think what that's done is that has just over the course of, you know, decades now has just influenced the church members to be like, yeah, scriptures, you know, yeah, it's authoritative. Yeah, it's inerrant. uh, uh, It's sufficient. Sure. But then when it comes down to it. It's like that quote I said earlier from James Montgomery Voice. It's like it, it's not done in practice. And so when you've seen this, you've modeled this, you've right. tasted this, it's being taught to you. You're hearing and you're consuming. And with the advent of social media, dude, now the exposure of all of this watered down, sweater wearing, Starbucks going Jesus yeah. type of religion is what is like the norm now, you know? Absolutely. That's spot. That's absolutely spot on. Absolutely spot on. I love, I love, I'm going to steal that brother. <laughs> well, it drives my wife nuts when I talk about it like that. I'm like, but I said, seriously, like, that's what you're, that's what Jesus is described as is like this, this sweater Birkenstock sitting just, Hey, just Virgil, uh, please come to me. Like it, it's this weak, needy right. Jesus and not the second person of the Trinity. Right, you right. know what I mean? It's like, 
Maybe right. y'all are down. You right. got a low right. view of Christ if this if this yes. is your view, which I'm sorry, I, that's just ridiculous. Yes. But it is absolutely spot on. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, switching now uh, as we're, we're wrapping up towards the end here, um, with with a lot of people, I think uh, in their churches, how can you identify Virgil? Because I, I, I think this is what's tough. Because I've I've heard a lot of guys say, "Yeah, I'm an expositor." Uh, yeah, I exposit. What's the easiest way to identify if your pastor's an expositor or not? I know that's a tough question because that it's yeah. very it varies. Yeah, yeah, it 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 varies from a standpoint of maybe maybe someone's delivery or style. Uh, it should not vary from a standpoint of we're looking at a particular text of scripture uh, and we're unpacking what's in the text. What does the text say? Uh, and, 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 and they're using scripture to properly interpret uh, and amplify scripture. Um, and, and that from that scripture, if, it, if it's a scripture that, that provides uh, a doctrine, that we're speaking to the particular doctrine. If it's a scripture that provides uh, instruction, uh, that, we're, that we're operating from that, that, kind, of a, that kind of a lens. But, uh, you know, for me, you know, I, I have a steady diet Sunday after Sunday, uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and, and even Wednesdays uh, of, of expositional preaching. Uh, probably one of the one of the most most famous, uh, <clears throat> at least most well known uh, expositors uh, would be John MacArthur. Uh, you know, and and he's a man who, over the course of the you know fifty yeah. plus years of of, uh, of gospel ministry at the same church has actually preached through the entire New Testament verse mm. by verse by verse. Um, and so you know, that, that would be, if, if I were a, a young pastor trying to examine whether or not I'm doing expository preaching, uh, it would be a good benchmark uh, for you to, to take a look at what's being done with, 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 a, with a John MacArthur and say, okay, I saw how he took those two verses of scripture um, and, and spent some time unpacking things for 50 minutes or perhaps two verses of scripture over the course of, of two Sundays. Uh, if, if that's what, what, you're, what you're doing, you, you can, you can yeah. feel more confident that you are really explaining and unpacking the treasures of, of, what, of what the text of scripture has to do. There may be an instance where you, you look at a section of scripture uh, and unpack um, you know, a, 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 bi a bigger, a larger portion uh, of it. I'll give you a quick example. Of, for example, Ephesians chapter one, um, you, I could see someone looking at that and, and, and unpacking, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, the sovereignty of God and salvation, uh, unpacking the fact that this is a, that, that, uh, that uh, Ephesians chapter one will unpack salvation and the plan of God, the father and eternity past. Uh, you could chop that up with verses three through six. Um, salvation and the and and the and and the work of of Christ in time, uh, Ephesians chapter one verses uh, seven uh, or six b six b through maybe eleven uh, or twelve, uh, and then unpack uh, uh, salvation from a standpoint of what what Christ or what uh, what the Holy Spirit uh, uh, absolutely secures for us. Uh, and, and so you could take, uh, Ephesians chapter one, verses 13 and 14. And that, that whole section right there, uh, you could, you could end up spending, you know, a good two, three months, uh, of Sunday, you know, uh, Sunday, you know, you could, you could take the summer, uh, really and, and, and unpack that one chapter, uh, during the course of maybe three months, uh, and, uh, and walk through some things and, and know that you, you're, you're really mining the, the, the treasure of scripture. 
for all that it's worth so that people can understand uh, you know, the doctrine of salvation and how it's not just something that Christ did in time, but that it was indeed God's plan in eternity past, uh, the work of Christ in time, uh, and, and it's it's the work of the Holy Spirit securing our future so reward. So with, with, you said something too that I want to bring up because this is something I hear quite frequently um, is we've been saying the term doctrine. Um, well, Virgil, mm -hmm. when you preach that way, doctrine divides. Uh, you just, I don't need doctrine. I don't need theology. I just need Jesus. Respond. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Well, it's it's a it's a good thing that doctrine divides. Uh, it, it's it, doctrine should divide uh, between truth and error, right? It should divide. Uh, we our our unity is is not based upon uh, something superficial or something emotive or something emotional. Uh, our, our unity should be upon the basis of truth, uh, and in doctrine we should identify God's truth, the truth of God. Uh, which should point us to what is reality. Um, truth is that which conforms or comports to reality. Uh, reality only is found in the mind of God. That's the standard. He is the standard. He says it, uh, Jesus says it this way, uh, thy word is truth, right? Uh, sanctify them by the truth. Thy word is truth. And so if we understand that, that the word of God is truth uh, and that what, 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 what we're being taught through scripture uh, is indeed doctrine, that is indeed truth, our unity should be upon the basis of that truth. Apart from that, uh, we, we might see division. Uh, we, we, we should see division. I would want to divide myself, uh, uh, separate myself from those who, are, uh, who consider themselves uh, advocates of, say, um, uh, you know, uh, a, a story hour at the, at the library with drag queens. Yeah, I want to divide yeah. myself between people who think that's a good thing and people who understand that, that that's, a, that's, a, that's a horrible thing. I would want to divide myself uh, from those people. So yes, doctrine does divide. That's not necessarily a bad thing. It's only in our culture currently where, where feelings are mm. amplified and we bow the knee to emotion yeah. uh, that we are concerned that that doctrine divides. Yeah, man, that's, that's solid because what, what I see happening is that uh, a lot of people are, you know, I, I've, I've heard it from both sides of the fence. I've heard it from other pastors accusing other pastors and myself included and other congregation people saying, well, doctrine and theology divides. We don't need to be hitting on doctrine. We don't need to be studying theology. Uh, and what's happening too is there's a lot of different statistics here. I don't know where my statistic one went here, but um, pastors are leaving ministry. Um, here we go. Uh, when Barna, so in March of 2022, the percentage of pastors who have considered quitting full-time ministry within the past year sits at 42%. And that's consistent with data from mm -hmm. fall of 2021 when Barna first reported a sharp increase in pastoral burnout. And it confirms the growing number of pastors who are considering resignation up to 13 percentage points from 29% in January 2021. So the interesting thing about that statistic regarding burnout and everything else is a vast majority of the burnout is occurring from uh, infighting within the church uh, in which they, the pastor believes that they have taken their people as far as they can go, which I don't understand that. Um, and what I believe it is, is it's not necessarily the pastor's fault, but what I think too, within a lot of church, we have, uh, what is the second Timothy four. And I'm going to read in verse three here about what I think is really happening here is, um, Paul's commending Timothy. And he says in verse two, preach the word, be ready in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort 
with great patience and teaching. See, teaching is like the focus of what the pastor is doing. The pastor is not doing, as you've said, a TED Talk. You're teaching the Word of God. The emphasis is continually throughout, even in the Great Commission, is on teaching. Now, this is the issue that I see happening today as well. Is verse 3, for the time will come where they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. And so what this is, man, this is social media, bro. This is everything else where, you know, a pastor may preach a message and then a congregant may come up and say, well, I listened to pastor so-and-so and he disagrees with you on that. That's not your pastor. If you think that this person online is your pastor, you're wrong. Your local pastor is your local pastor. And what's happening is that I see churches getting voted out, uh, voting pastors out. But then also, too, it wasn't but last year that I was in the pastoral search before God blessed me with this church. And I remember looking at the desires from these pulpit committees of what they were looking for in a pastor. And you know what was at the very bottom of this list was any kind of doctrine, hmm. theology, and mo a lot of it was education as well. But what they're looking for is a dynamic personality, a visionary leader, someone who wow. can assemble a team. Like this was a vast majority of the jobs that I was looking at. And I wasn't just picking and choosing. I just was going through, right. Who's looking for a lead pastor full time. I didn't care where it was. And a lot of the qualifications was like the world, like what you would look like if you're hiring a motivational speaker, you know? Right. <laughs> that's, that's, um, that is unfortunate, but that's the reality of the, of the culture that we're, we're in where the church has been influenced mm -hmm. more by the culture than culture having been influenced by the yeah. church. Well, um, I, I think we, we've discussed this now. The, the crazy <laughs> question here, for anyone listening who's realized that my pastor is a storyteller or we watched Buzz Lightyear's movie last week and unpacked the theological truths between uh, interpersonal communications of Woody and Buzz, uh, what would you... Uh, what would your advice be to them if they're in a church and the Lord's waking up their eyes or they're opening their eyes and they're realizing maybe this isn't the place for me? And I know that's a very yeah, tough question. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, and it, it is a tough question. It's not always the same answer in every space, right? Cause there'll be some spaces where uh, they're opening their eyes to that idea and maybe they've developed the kinds of relationships with church leaders uh, and, and others there, maybe they've been there for 10, 20 years uh, and, and have the relational currency to have conversations with elders uh, and church leaders uh, and, and to say, hey, I, what, what are we doing here? Are we thinking about expositional preaching or, you know, ha have we looked at this or, or perhaps provide some insight uh, that, that, that leaders or those in leadership may be open to, to hearing? Uh, and, and so it's in those spaces that, that you want to be a, a resource, uh, a, a, a way to, a, to, to help. Um, I've been in those churches where there's a mixture of both exposition and topical. Um, and, and the pastor there, you know, he loved the Lord. He, he, he loved, you know, uh, the, the people of God. And, and so and he knew he knew how to do expositional preaching. He was just mm -hmm. more of a topical guy. Um, I, you know, I, I, I was there, enjoyed his preaching, enjoyed what he did. My, my heartbeat was to see more exposition. And so when I had the opportunities uh, to provide, uh, you know, a, a pulpit relief in any way, I, I, I demonstrated and executed more expositional, a more expositional uh, approach. And so that would not have been a place that I would have left. Uh, I stayed there for a long time and, and loved the people there, loved, loved serving there. 
Uh, there are other places where that's mm -hmm. just not their thing. And, and uh, you know, they're, they're not going to change. Uh, they're going to stick with the kind of the popcorn candy kind of approach. And it's in those places and spaces where what you find is it's a great place for people maybe to enter the door. Uh, but if any of them are seriously hungry for a, a deeper biblical truths, they end up leaving yeah. the back door looking for something a little bit more substantive. Um, and so while I, while I would never tell someone, hey, you, you, ABC yeah. means you leave, uh, I, I wouldn't say that, especially if there's not heresy being preached, uh, especially, you know, if there's not, uh, you know, something doctrinally deficient uh, to, to, to the degree that, that you know, that, that folks are looking and thinking, wait a minute, do, do we know what we believe mm -hmm. on these doctrines? I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a different conversation. Uh, or something, or, or 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 outright heresy. You know, someone comes in the pulpit next week and says, "You know what? Uh, uh, everyone is saved regardless of uh, whether they they name the name of Christ." Well, yeah. you know, it's it's time. There's there's no question. There's no pass go. There's there's exit the door. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You you definitely leave that place immediately and never never to return. But but again, each person's got to examine kind of their own situation, their own setting, and think through kind of some of the things that we've shared on on this particular podcast to. Uh, to see where where their church is, where they stand, and and uh, and get a clear understanding. That's good. I, yeah, I think it's too. Uh, some people are too quick to just say, "Oh yeah, you need to leave." What I always like to say is, "One, are you growing there? Like spiritually growing? Um, and if you are, um, is it equipping you to continue to do the work in the ministry in your life in leading your family? If it is, then you need to stay. Sure. And then two, uh, like what you said too, have you are you involved in the church where? Maybe it may not be doing granted. No church is ever going to be perfect. Um, but can you help and assist right. in that church to kind of maybe steer and vector right. the church, you know, kind of like, you know, encouraging the right. pastor coming alongside the pastor to help out in different ways? Or are you the guy just sitting back and complaining? Um, and then third, what I always like to say right. too is, are you hearing more scripture or are you hearing more stories? When you know more about the pastor mm -hmm. at the end of the sermon, than you know more about this passage of the scripture you depending maybe it was a one-off but like if you're continuing just to hear stories and stories and stories about this guy and his upbringing and everything else and then the text is just kind of like there's a you know a a relief hitter um i don't know one how you're going to be growing two i don't know how that's going to be helping you and then three uh right. what i always like to tell especially fathers is i said look man I, it doesn't matter if they've got the best children's program at all uh you're going to pay the price right. 10 15 years down the road if one, you're not actively spiritually leading your wife and your kids Two, your kids aren't hearing the truths of scripture and it being taught, because when they get out there and they're in high school, they're in college, uh, the world's not going to hold back on the spiritual attacks and attacking right. the truths of scripture. How ready are they to defend it? Right. If it's just using the Sunday school answers of, well, yeah. Jesus says so and Jesus loves me, you, we, you need to be arming up your kiddos, right. man. You know, so that's. That's what I kind of like to help assist too, but I love it. That's great. Those those are those are great. Those are great things to 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 leave the the audience with. I, I agree with you, man. Culture is going to be unrelenting, and uh, and their desire and attempt uh, to to move kids in a uh, in in a direction that's just antithetical to everything biblical, everything Christian, uh, and anything that that has uh, relation to what you know, godly uh, righteousness, <laughs> we, we, they are, they, they want to um, have our kids, our children in particular, you know, uh, engage in, in, you know, uh, drag queen story hours, uh, and encouraging kids to, 
uh, mutilate themselves in, in the name of gender affirmation. And so uh, you had yeah. better be at a church that's properly equipping you to navigate those those issues. Yeah, absolutely, brother. Well, hey, man, thank you so much for joining us. Um, for anyone listening, how can they find you? What's your social handles? I want you to drop that here and I'll put in the show notes as well. Um, yeah. Well, thank, thank, first of all, Ethan, thanks for the opportunity, man, to, to, to connect with you. Looking forward to more uh, opportunities to work together in the future. But if anybody who wants to reach me, I uh, can uh, catch me on Twitter at Virgil Walker, O-M-A. That's for Omaha, Virgil Walker, O-M-A. Uh, on Twitter, uh, I'm on Facebook. You can catch me there. I'm on IG under Virgil. I believe, I believe IG is Virgil L. Walker. Uh, you can catch me there as well. Definitely catch blog articles that I'll be posting. In fact, uh, I've got a couple blog articles that are coming out uh, this week. Uh, this one is called the, uh, the Tsunami Warning Ooh. for the SBC. Be, be sure to check that out. You can, you can see that on g3men.org. Uh, that'll drop this coming Thursday. Uh, and then I've got um, uh, articles that I'm writing. Uh, you can also catch me at uh, justthinking.me, justthinking.me for the podcast. Awesome. Well, hey, Virgil, I'm going to uh, close this out here, and then I'll have you hang out real quick. But uh, thank you so much, brother. Guys, thank you for joining us on the Battlefield Theologian Podcast. I hope that that helps uh, bring out some clarifying answers, some questions, and things to consider for yourself uh, as it comes to how you are being fed at your local church. Uh, if there's any specific topic or any guests that you would like to see come on the podcast, hit me up at Ethan at EthanJagel.com. I'd love to hear from you guys. And thank you guys so much for joining us on the Battlefield Theologian Podcast. See you guys next time.